0: everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Lindsey Lyles of the Rocket Kids Foundation. We're going to be talking about a race that prior to the show going live, I believe we, just, we established I was like one of the very first participants of that race within the first couple of years of it actually being in service. So we're going to talk about all that stuff, which is a lot of fun. We're going to talk about training, triathlons, um, running an organization in the community, And really building a network of people that folks that move in from out of town instantly feel connected and instantly find a place in a city that seems so foreign. And before we get to all that, I want to give a big shout out and a wonderful thank you to our amazing sponsors that make this show possible. Falaya Real Estate, Government Taco, Horizon Financial Group, Mallard Bay Outdoors, and Mercedes Benz of baton rouge thank them so very much for making this show possible coming to you each and every tuesday and without all of that Lindsay, welcome to the show
1: thank you for having me
0: thank you for coming on i'm really appreciative of your time and learning more behind the stories of races that i've come to know and love so much as I think it's probably safe to say a former triathlete, as I haven't done one in you many always years. You can
1: return. You can return.
0: I know. And I, look, i still got my bike in the shed. I still ride it every now and again. I still run. I need to run a little bit more. And I <laughs> love swimming. So it's like I got to get back in there slowly, but surely I'll get back to be an active triathlete. You can do it. But you are... And you're involved with something called the Rocket Kids Foundation, right? You're the treasurer.
1: Yes, I'm the treasurer. I've been on the board since 2018 as the treasurer and since 2020 as the race director for one of our races, Rocket Chicks.
0: Gotcha. So how, how did you get involved with that? Because you're by day an engineer. I am. So how, how did you get involved by being on a board of a foundation for, I guess, people of all ages?
1: Yeah, so um, it really was because I participated in their event so much like you started um, long ago as a kid racing the races. My very first triathlon was Rocket Chicks um, in 2009. I had never done any type of um, racing or endurance sports or anything like that ever in my history. But a friend and I decided that that was going to be our goal. We were going to sign up for the race and um, we both had just had babies. And so we just took it on as this great goal of ours to do Rocket Chicks. And so that was 2009. And since then, I continued to race, but also I became a volunteer for them. I was around more of their events. My kids were racing their events. And um, I just knew that the people that, that were a part of that organization were something special. And so it just came to be that eventually I made my way onto the board.
0: I love that. So we're, we're talking about races and events Breakdown for people listening that may not be aware exactly what we mean when we're talking about Rocket Chicks, Rocket Kids. What kind of race is this? What's all involved?
1: So we have um, Rocket Kids Foundation. We um, we strive to go out into the community and to and better families' lives by exposing them to healthier living, to activities, to events. Um, and that could be through things that we put on directly or through grant money that we give to others in the community. So the five events that we have are um, all triathlons. We have three that are for adults and two that are for kids. One of the adult races specifically being um, all-female, beginner-friendly triathlon. And then the two kids races, we have one called Rocket Kids Rookies that's for 3- to 10-year-olds. So the even the really little ones can participate. Um, and then later um, this summer, we have just the regular Rocket Kids race, and that's for six to 14 year olds. So t- target crowd a little different for that one. The older kids can, can participate as well.
0: Gosh. And what is a triathlon?
1: So a triathlon it can be various distances, but it's always going to be swim, bike, run, and it's always going to be in that order. So when someone says triathlon, that's, that's what they mean. You'll also often hear Ironman or um, Ironman distance races. So that, that starts to go into the, the long distance racing. That's 140.6 miles and then there's olympic distance races which um our last event of the season river Roo, is an olympic distance race um which is and it's called olympic distance because that's what they race in the olympics it's a 1.5 k swim a 40k bike and a 10k run so
0: yeah it's, i forget they're all in kiln, uh, th- so
1: it's roughly a mile swim a 25 mile bike and okay. a 6.2 mile run for the olympic distance gotcha okay that's
0: manageable that mile swim though i feel like for most people like i mean it all depends on who you are but like i know for some people like that swim is like the worst part i think the bike's the worst part i
1: think a lot of people come to triathlon really having the swim probably be their biggest fear spot um especially if you aren't someone that grew up on competitive swim teams or something like that i know for me it was because i grew up swimming all the time but i didn't ever have formal swim coaching or training or anything like that so Learning how to swim freestyle for long distance without having breaks was was certainly a challenge.
0: Well, and then that's only just the first element of the race, <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> so you have to get out and keep going. And you have to get out and keep going. Yeah. You,
0: can't, you know, take a breather and then just kind of relax for a little bit and then go on to the next one. See, that's so. I love the swim part. Because, uh, like you said, I did competitive swimming in high school. So yeah. I swam for Tiger Aquatics. Okay, and great. And so, like, that w- – and I always swam Summer League. So that was – I love swimming. That was, that was my, my sport. That and running was my sport. So the biking, for me, was the biggest challenge going into the race. But, like, so for a triathlon, you swim the distance. Then you have this thing called Transition 1. Yes. And then you go on to the bike.
1: To the bike, right. And so then um, after you bike, then you have to go back into Transition, Transition 2, and then you run. And so even if you're someone that's come from just a running background, um just a swimming background, it's the challenge in triathlon really is putting all that together and learning how to do all of them well, not just one. Um so it can be daunting for sure, but um it's great fun.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's a blast. I think the um <laughs> watching people inside the transition area like my mom always said it was a spectator sport yeah because it was fun just watching people run all over the crate all over the place and like that transition time is serious time if you're competing that's like it you is gotta be a, in and out quick.
1: especially if you watch um some of the you know more seasoned athletes or if you're at a big race if you watch the pros they'll do flying dismounts off their bike coming back into transition you know they'll have their feet unhooked from their bike shoes before they get back off the bike and Um, yeah, they make it fun to watch for sure.
0: Oh yeah. I was the, I was the one who would get your foot out of the shoe and put it on top and leave the shoes clipped in. Yeah. So then you would run, hop off, leave your shoe and then always like hit the ground and like throw your bike in the air. No, I don't, I don't even pretend
1: (laughs) to try to do that. Not at all. It took it. It I was, probably takes time. I was
0: much better practice <laughs> and rehearse back then.
1: Yeah, you have a lot of uh adrenaline in a race, you know. Oh, you're yeah. trying to move quickly from one sport to the next and remember all the stuff that you need and get your gear on and yeah, it's a lot of a lot of quick thinking and trying to kind of work under pressure.
0: All right, don't forget your race number.
1: Don't forget your race number. That's
0: like I've seen people have to be turned around because they forgot their race number out of transition one and have to go back and get yeah, it. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of rules for sure. They can be daunting at first, I think, uh, to a lot of n- newcomers to the sport, but it's certainly um, manageable, and, you know, that's kind of part of why we love to do the kids' races. It's We, we cater each um, event t- truly to the kids, and so for our rookies' race, for example – the three-year-olds, they can be floaties. They can have training wheels. Their parents can kind of walk alongside them. But it's their first experience at a race. And they get a race bib and um, they get a medal at the finish line. And they they do all the things. And so it's really fun to see them kind of learn. And, um, you know, I don't know how many times you did the race. But, you know, once you do it once, you're like, I've been here before. I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it becomes something you look forward to and coming back to. Yeah, you um, get a
0: lot more comfortable for Sure, doing the same race again. So, like, I think I did Rocket Chick Rocket Kids maybe twice, but then like Yam City, we've done like six or seven times. So that was like our we would kick this like during that was the, the winter one time. That, you that, always that, that was that was to, we, we yeah. started off the year with. Um, and we would always like during the year during this winter months plan out, look at like triathlon.com or whatever the yeah. website was to book the races,
1: try That's it, try, find, <laughs>
0: try find.com. And so, we would look all in the fall planning out our races because we would also for some that were further out like we were talking beforehand um the race out in Shreveport Mm -hmm. it we would go and like stay a weekend so it'd be like a trip for the family and it was a thing that we would do as a family for all of us to get together get in the car with six bikes on the back and travel to wherever it was going to be so
1: it was your dad raced and so my sister my
0: dad raced my two brothers raced and I raced that's great so it was four of us always racing and then my younger sister Started racing, and now she's actually back doing it. So I don't know if she's doing rocket chicks, but she just did. uh, Is it river with the run in uh, false river.
1: Oh, Louisiana triathlon. That's one of ours as well. So
0: she, so she just did that race. Great. So and she's going. I don't know if she's doing rocket, but she's got like two or three more planned this year. So she's getting back into, and I think my brother's getting back into it as well. But yeah, it was four of us like every time, and then we did Redneck Man. We were the first year they did Redneck Man out in Opelousas, I believe, and somehow we figured out that there was a group discount so because my dad registered four <laughs> all people of, all of you. You <laughs> he got, got a like a bag discount. and they're like you figured out that there was a group discount we weren't aware of so you, you get a bag and but within these races it's such a sense of like community before and after that it's just so empowering and such a fun environment at every single race
1: well and i think your story is a good example of kind of what we hope for right you you race this as a young kid and maybe that is your family's first experience with that type of event. And then, you know, all these years later, it's still impacting your family life in the sense that it's still a part of, um, you know, what your sister's doing and that it's kind of, it kind of became a tradition as y'all were growing up to do those races. So that's certainly what we aim to do is to expose people to not only our events, but just um, the atmosphere of, Um, and the community of racing and like you said, before and after it's um, we love it to be a good atmosphere at the end of the race and really let people celebrate their accomplishment. Uh, Louisiana triathlon is our sprint race. That's in false river. And that race um, has been around since 1989. We haven't rocket kids foundation. Hasn't owned it all of that time, but um, actually this year in particular, we did some digging to try to figure out when it first started and, um, it has always been a fun, a super fun, festive environment. This year we did, um, try your luck was our theme. We always have a theme. And so it was, you know, casino poker based, uh, last year was Derby for the Kentucky Derby because it was on the same day. So we always have a lot of fun with that race and really try to make it, um, a different kind of party every single year that we have the race. So it's a lot of fun.
0: So you'll have five races, I mean, what goes into the planning of these races every year?
1: It's it's a lot of work for sure uh, in (laughs) event production. Um, Amy Morrow is our race director for Louisiana Triathlon and for River Roo, which are the two races that are held in False River. She has a great relationship with the city of New Roads and really has come to establish um, that for RKF as well. And um, they welcome us to their city for those weekends to have the races there. And um, they love to have us. But um you know you have to make sure that you have a good course that you keep your athletes safe that you have a good fun environment for everyone that you plan and prepare and communicate to everyone effectively um you know you want to have something that they remember so when they come race you know the distance at different venues is going to be the same but when they come especially to louisiana if it's people traveling from out of state for example we want them to have like a good fun louisiana atmosphere so we really go out of our way to try to make that be the case
0: yeah you want to make it feel like where the race is you're bringing that culture into the environment absolutely
1: absolutely and and for new roads in particular you know we'll use some local vendors from around there to provide post-race food for example so you know trying to bring the community into it as well we'll often get um, the high school students from the local high schools to help set up transition you know make them an active part of it as well and see kind of what goes into an event that has to be produced for, um, you know, hundreds of people. So,
0: yeah. So like that's part of the, the you know, the foundation's goal is getting that community involvement not only in racers, but also volunteers and support staff because it's not an easy task to put on a race.
1: It's not. And the volunteers, we can't do it without them. Um, we're a volunteer board. So, you know, we're, we're volunteers ourselves truly uh, volunteer race director and, um I do a lot of work to try to get volunteers ahead of time to make sure I have enough people out there. Um I know this year in particular for Rocket Chicks um my godchild's Girl Scout troop is going to work an aid station for me, so I'm bringing in kids that way even though it's the Rocket Chicks race that's not for them, but they get to be out there see see women out there doing something for themselves. I love that part of it. I think that's great. Um but truly the volunteers are everything and as an experienced racer, I've had those moments on the, especially the back end of a long day of a race course of Ironman, for example, where you're just, you can't think of anything else. So you're just thanking every single person that you can see because you truly are so thankful that they're out there, you know, at an aid station working at an interse- an intersection, you know, playing a crucial role in your safety. And it's great. I love the volunteers, especially in, in those. Um, I guess emotional moments as you get towards the end of a end of a race.
0: Those are those last few stretches of the run are like brutal just to get through.
1: They are. And depending on the race, it can be for different reasons. I mean, I've had, I've cried at a lot of finish lines, but (laughs) if it's a shorter, harder race, maybe it's just this sense of accomplishment. Really. You know, you've gone out there and put your training to the test and done what you came out there to do. For longer-distance races, sometimes it's a bit of survival. You know, you're just out there trying to make it, trying to finish in the time and um, doing everything you can so the tears come for for other reasons then. But, um, yeah, finish lines are great. They're really the icing on the cake for all the hard work you've done and everything you've put into it.
0: So Rocket Chicks was your first race. What was it like training for that?
1: So I had never really run more than a mile. I did not own a bike, and I had never had proper swim lessons.
0: So you were ready to rock and roll. I was ready you were to go, perfectly yes. prepared.
1: <laughs> and I had just had a baby. <laughs> so oh yeah,
0: met all the check boxes.
1: I um, I joined Crawfish Aquatics, so I started swimming with master swimmers there, and um, I think I might have, may have even done a swim clinic or two prior to that race. Um, bought a bike, rode around the neighborhood, just tried to get used to it. I did not buy. I don't even think I had a road bike. I definitely didn't have a triathlon bike. It was a hybrid bike. So say, that's what my wife did. Yeah. Own. So it was, it was the hybrid. straight handlebars and uh, just something where I felt comfortable, <laughs> not fast, but just comfortable. And um, I started running and I just, um, I followed a training plan that rocket chicks had posted on their website as here's how you get started. Here's some information. I read anything I could find, talk to people and, that was it. I didn't, I didn't go into it with much, um, with, well, really with no prior experience. So I certainly at the time I was just doing it and, um, doing the best I could to make that work. And, you know, I went back to work and have a baby and, but it was my goal. It was the thing that I was going to accomplish. And I did, and I loved it. And looking back on it, I think going further to our mission and rocket chicks in particular, now that I'm the race director and it's all come full circle is I appreciate that because you don't have to do more than I did to get started. You know, you just need to show up and you need to take advantage of the things that we offer because we really try to go out of our way to have um, clinics. So we'll have a bike clinic. And if you've never ridden your bike on the levee or on the road or with a group. Um, Maybe you don't know anything about, you know, bike safety and etiquette. Once you get on outside of a neighborhood, we want to help you learn those things and uh, also help you find others who were, who want to do the same thing as you. And so then you start being part of that community too, because I think that that's really how all of us came to love it and came to be in triathlon and, and want to continue to do it and want to give back.
0: Yeah. It's that sense of, Accomplishment, getting across that finish line, and knowing that at the end of the day, while while it is a race, while there all while there are awards for a different ranking and everything, getting across that finish line is a victory in and of itself. Absolutely. R- regardless of how fast or how slow you may think you are, everyone can compete in a race like a triathlon, and still, when they cross that finish line, like you've won the race because it's just you against yourself.
1: It is you against yourself. And even if you train with a large group and you're racing others, you might be racing your friends. It's still just you. It's your legs, your body that has to carry you across that finish line and through that race. And so it's an immense sense of accomplishment and pride in yourself. And um, I think that the kids races and then rocket chicks in particular really strives to be a way for people to get entry into the sport but also just entry into a healthy lifestyle right so if we're exposing kids and families that maybe wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to our event or our race then that's really what we're trying to do
0: yeah getting them to think outside the box for racing experience and for just getting active you know absolutely like it's a triathlon is not an easy sport. <laughs> you, you are going through three challenging phases. Really, five, because transition, yeah. that's, a whole, that's a whole element. <laughs> Without falling. Itself. Without falling. Sometimes it's in the grass. Sometimes it's yeah. on concrete. It's You never know. There's so many people that will fall at dismount, at yes. transitions. And the worst part is nobody can technically help you.
1: Yeah, we try to... Um... I had one racer I had to turn around and send back to transition because he, well, he got on his bike before the Mount dismount line. And um, so I had to stop him and say, no, 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 you have to get off your bike right here. And then, you know, keep walking it through. So we're, we're out there for our races to, you know, have a competitive race, but also those people who need a little bit of extra guidance and help, you know, we want to help you out. We want to help people learn the rules and understand what they need to do to um, to follow all the guidelines that are out there, so that they can complete the race successfully
0: uh, and safely. I mean, and safely. Like ma- mounting your bike may seem like, oh, why can't I just get on my bike right now right. and go? It's like, well, because then we have to watch multiple mountain dismount
1: points. Well, and then there's a stack of people behind you; that are exactly. all about to get on your bike, and yeah, and we, you know, we see that absolutely next level when you go to um, an Ironman event, for example, that has three thousand racers. Right? I mean, that's. It's huge, and and what they do for event production is is pretty incredible. And and then we try to take that back to our small races and just how you keep everyone safe and where you position police officers and and how you um, get people in and out the water and water safety. I mean, uh, th- things have changed, and we learn along the way as well. So,
0: and so speaking of of Ironman races, you've done a few of those.
1: I have. I did my first one in two thousand fourteen. And then I just did my third one last year.
0: That is, and congratulations. Thank you. Because that is an incredible accomplishment in and of it itself. It is. I'm
1: proud. I'm proud. It, um, I think I was, a kind of more of your typical story where rocket chicks was my first race and I did a couple of those. And then I moved to a little bit longer distance races that were open water swim races and then from there, I did a half Ironman, and then I set my sights on Ironman. And so it was a long progression of five years, really, from the time I did my first race until I I crossed my first Ironman finish line. So, it was, it worked because you know you learn along the way. You you kind of learn how to um, structure your day and your training and how to get it in. And if you go from you know a sprint race to ironman it's a lot to overcome people can do it but it's um that's that's a special challenge in and of itself so i kind of slow rolled into it and learned about myself along the way had coaches um when i first started racing i didn't have a coach or anything like that it's really not necessary um there's so much information available um for beginners so if someone's afraid to not come do rocket chicks because they think they don't have a coach and don't want to you know jump in without enough information we really can help there's there's so much information out there for training plans when you're just getting started and then as you get more advanced yeah coaches are great i i couldn't live without mine and so it's um it's more of a progression though and you know i'm happy to to have that accountability in my life now and and really make the most of every workout that i do and it's great fun because that becomes kind of a team atmosphere too
0: oh yeah and that's so On the Ironman front, how do you train twofold? How do you train physically for the race? Mm -hmm. And then how do you train mentally for the race?
1: The mental stuff can be hard. Um, The physical stuff just requires waking up before five o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's really all there is to it. You just wake up every day and do your workouts before you go to work. And if you don't do that, it's hard to be successful. So the first part is just fitting that into your life and – You have to make sacrifices. I mean, there's things that you're going to give up because, you know, you have to wake up and go run long on a Saturday or a Sunday or ride your bike for a couple hours. Um, The mental toughness, I think, comes a bit from the training because when you have a plan that's in front of you and you're executing it, you have really long days on the bike and that's followed a lot of times by really long running days and you are absolutely exhausted. But getting yourself through those long workouts and those long weekends of just relentless training, it starts to build up your mental toughness as well. Um, There was three of us, myself included, last year in one of the big final pushes for Ironman before we went to um, Idaho, and we needed to ride 100 miles, and it was raining. I was like, we're going. It's not lightning. It's not storming. It's just raining, and we're going to ride 100 miles in the rain, and we did. How was that? It was actually a little better because it wasn't (laughs) as hot. It was cool. Our race was at the end of June, and so our big, tough weekends were May and the beginning of June. And so, you know, just like now, this year, it's already so hot outside. So that little bit of cloud cover and rain was actually not all that miserable. It sounds worse than it really was. But you know, you're wet and you're 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 just out there and you're like, I'm gonna just finish this and it's gonna be what we do today. And we did it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So to put it into perspective, how long did it take you to do your Ironman Man?
1: <laughs> so um the first two that I did, one was thirteen hours and something, one was twelve forty eight or something like that, twelve fifty those were both in Chattanooga. We had a very large group that was going to do the one last year. Um, and we are we kind of have a little backstory because prior to COVID, we originally we all like to sit down and pick the race together. We wanna we want everybody to be in on this and we're gonna do this together. And you have to sign up early and It's a big commitment, right? For some races, Uh, usually about a year ahead of time.
0: Yeah, I think the the river cities. I was telling you, like we had to wake up at like four or five in the morning
1: because it would sell out. It would sell out like thirty
0: minutes, and it was like four hundred people that did the race. Yeah,
1: so a lot of times you're planning a year ahead. You're making a huge life commitment and financial commitment if you're going to you know travel somewhere. So we decided that we were going to do Ironman Santa Rosa and go to California and do Wine Country and we were going to do that on the tail end of our race and it was going to be perfect. Well then COVID hit and that was the last year that they were going to host that race. And so it got canceled altogether. Ultimately it got canceled altogether. And so they allowed us to defer and we picked a place called Coeur d'Alene in Idaho. It's a big, beautiful lake. You fly into Spokane. It's gorgeous up there. Average temperature. at The end of June is 78 degrees. Perfect. That's like Great. our December weather. Right. <laughs> so we train and, you know, we were disappointed that we're not racing in California, but we all kind of pivot and regroup. And as the re- we were leading up to the race, they were having an unusual heat wave and it got worse and worse and worse. And race day was 112 degrees. So we thought wow. that we were going to be at an advantage coming from training in the heat and take all of our fitness and go to this beautiful, low humidity, cool place. And it was so hot and talk about mental toughness. I mean, that was the hardest race I've ever done in my life. I barely finished. There was a large amount of our group that did not finish and it wasn't for their lack of trying or anything. It was the conditions of that day were absolutely brutal. And the sun also rises at five o'clock in the morning, and it doesn't set until 10 p.m. that time of year because you're oh so far gosh. north yeah. and um west. And so you're just beat down by the sun all day long. And it was
0: for an Ironman, nonetheless. Like that's it was tough. It's in the sun all day.
1: It was tough. People were dropping out like flies, and it was, you know, it was like carnage out there on the race course, really. And it was hard to see your friends who were on the bike with you, you know, the loop before, and then they're standing on the side when you come, you know, off your bike and they've, and they've um, been pulled from the race or made the decision to not continue on because they weren't going to make the time cut off. So that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I wanted to quit a million times, but that support group that I talk about and always go back to, they, my family was there and all of our training partners were there. My wife was there and it was, no, you came here. You can do this. You keep going. You just keep putting one foot in front of another. And I walked the majority of the marathon, which is a miserable experience in and of itself. Um, but I finished, and I did it. And I think I've retired from Ironman distance races now.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't. That I one left a mark. You. Yeah, I would. I would not blame you at all. So uh, there's another element to that Ironman race you mentioned: the fact of the time cut off. Yeah, that's not particularly the case for every race.
1: We we mostly do have time cutoffs. So from an event production standpoint, if you think about it, we um, have police officers out there. If it's a big event, then you're going to have roads that are specifically closed for you or, you know, for in the case of our kids races, we're using YMCA parking lot facilities and their pools. So there is kind of a natural we have to get out of here by a certain time of day for logistical reasons. Um, Most of the time, The cutoffs are generous for our short distance races, even for those who are new to the sport and um, are coming out there just really trying to finish as their goal. Um, We certainly want everyone to have the best race, race day possible. But the Ironman cutoff is kind of its own unique thing because it's always known it's 17 hours. You have 17 hours to do this race. Back in the day, they would start as a mass start. Everyone started at the same time. And everyone had to be done by midnight. And so that was how they controlled the race day, right? I mean, you started together and everyone had to be finished. Now, due to swimmer safety and kind of improved safety standards, they roll people in one at a time. For the start, you still personally only have 17 hours to finish the race. Um, And so when you're at the back end of those courses trying to finish your marathon, you're doing... You're doing the math. You're doing Ironman <laughs> math, which gets really tough when you're, you know, in your 15th, 16th hour trying to figure out if you're going to make it. And, um, But the finish line of an Ironman, especially those last finishers, that's a magical place to be. Those people oh gosh, are yeah. pushing so hard to get themselves there, and sometimes they finish with seconds to spare. And it's it's one of those things that even if you finish earlier in the day, I've been there later in the evening watching the later finishers and when I wasn't one of them. And it's it's magical. It truly is magical.
0: Yeah, and then those you know going back to like the rules of everything, that the devastating moments. I think I saw a race where a lady was coming in from the bike, and they were all yelling at her, "Get off your bike!" Because it's like again back to the technical rules, you have to dismount your yes. bike by a certain time. Yes, and she like missed the cutoff by like two seconds. Oh gosh! And like that to me, I'm like as a like as a as a racer, like that is devastating. It is devastating to get to that point. You finished biking 100 and what? Fifteen, hundred and twelve miles. Hundred and twelve miles. You finish by getting like hundred and twelve miles, and then at the dismount, get told you cannot continue the race by like two seconds.
1: I can only imagine that's absolutely heartbreaking. Um. Yeah, you you've put so much into it, and you know you you've given your absolute all, and sometimes the the day just doesn't give you what you wanted. And th- I guess that's part of the adventure and the unknown of it. I mean, I've been racing for. I guess 13 years now at various distances and I still go back to um shorter races I'm, I don't I didn't only stick with the longer distance ones we would do half Ironmans and um I'm doing an Olympic race uh, at the end of the year but it's you can do all the preparation in the world you can execute a training plan absolutely perfectly but when you come to the race we didn't know we were going to have 112 degree temperatures no, in, <laughs> in Idaho in June. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be that way. They don't even have air conditioning in most places up there because their temperatures are never that high. Um, but that's kind of part of the the fun of it is you don't know. You've got yourself prepared. You've got the race course in front of you and you just have to do your absolute best to problem solve your way through the day. I think that's why probably as an engineer, it appeals to me so much because it really is truly about problem solving. Every every little part of your day is a new problem, and you just work your way through it and get yourself to that finish line.
0: Yeah, it's just a matter of getting across the line in time to complete the race.
1: Yeah, and certainly um, for faster runners and and racers, that can be different. That can look different. You know, theirs could be absolutely killing it or placing in you know a top spot in their age group or placing in a top spot in their age group and winning a slot to Kona. I mean, it can be, it can be different for all of us. And even as our group of girls that we primarily train with, everyone's out there with their own goal that day. And all we want for each other is for each person to have the best day that they can have. And that's what it's really all about for us.
0: And I mean, and it comes down to you and one race you'll do well and the other race. You won't. Absolutely. I did the, the the Baton Rouge half marathon and in December, and I think I was doing, like, 715s, and then I did the full, and I was, like, 830s. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, that's such a different drastic time <laughs> yeah. di- change, but, like, it's also the distance yeah. doubled. absolutely. And so, and, then like, my training dropped, and it's, like, that's proven right there to you. Like, to mentally, it's, like, mm-hmm. okay, you didn't train as hard, and that's why your times were different mm-hmm. for this race It's because you didn't put in as much effort as you did for the first one.
1: It can be humbling for sure. Um, you know, sometimes you it's life, right? So there's decisions we make every day about where we're going to spend our time. And we want it to be on our careers and our family and this, which is really a hobby for us, you know, it's not required. But in a lot of ways, it's what helps uh, us mentally, you know, it's a way for us to have time to do something for yourself. I mean, anyone who trains, I think the routine of it and kind of the physical exertion brings a level of, you know, endorphins, if you will, like running and biking and swimming can really help you in those aspects. So it's all about balance and finding that in your life where you can do the things that you want to do. You can race, you can still have time to, you know, be at home with your family and, um, or much like you, I would say it becomes part of your family life. Right. So, and I'll get my kids out to the races with me and, um, put them to work usually at this point. Yeah. They're, um, they're good at event production. So I'll, you know, make them my right hand mans for sure.
0: So how do you balance the duality of your careers? How do you balance the being on the board of an, an organization that is so active with many events in a year and a full-time engineering job?
1: It's a lot. Um, but I think I love it. And, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And my heart my heart is truly in it because i the full circle part of it just means so much. i That's where I started. Um, Susan Hayden and Patrick Fellows were the ones who started Rocket Chicks Race in 2007. And um, Susan Hayden is one of those mentors that was in the triathlon communities when I started and, and had been for some time. And I think... Um, what she and Pat brought to that race and then ultimately it became part of Rocket Kids Foundation and the foundation kind of took on a bigger mission and, and having more events. I think that I just want to give back in the same way that someone like Susan gave to me. And um, just seeing that anybody can do it and you have access to this group of people and it being all females I think is particularly... Um, attractive, especially to first timers. Um, you don't have males racing with you, you know, it's just the females and maybe it feels a little bit more comfortable and, and plus it's just a different, just a little different vibe to have it as a, as a women only race. So I think I just balance it because I do love it so much and I want to give back. I want to keep, doing racing for myself but i want to continue that on in our community specifically you know here for people that live in our in our city
0: yeah i mean that was for my wife her first race knowing that my family had a lot of experience Mm -hmm. in triathlons and we did a bunch of different races her first race she wanted to be rocket chicks yeah and she was like i want to do rocket chicks you know that was again that level of comfortability Mm -hmm. within the environment that's created within the whole ecosystem of like you said, the support staff of, hey, here's a training program. Like She followed the Rocket Chicks training program. It was like going through everything that they had provided for the racers that she just felt it was so, I mean, outside of the race being difficult, it was easy to be involved and actually train and go through the program because of the support level that was there. And the fact that she, you know, at the end of it, she actually somehow won her age group.
1: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) And she, like, was over the moon. Like, that was Mm -hmm. something for her. It was such a major personal accomplishment for her to get across that finish line and know that she had done something like that. It was just life-changing ultimately. And
1: I love that story. I mean, that's really what we want is people to come to us um, that don't know anything and, and find us as a resource. And I think at this point we are the only all-female triathlon okay. in the state. There used to be some others, but I believe at this point we're the only one.
0: So, And how many do you all house within the race itself?
1: So this year, we're looking at around selling out at 250, and I expect to sell out.
0: Okay, and y'all are doing it. Y'all y'all have rotated it a little bit every now and again with this year, y'all are doing it at Point Marie.
1: Yeah, so um, when the race started, it was at the Natatorium, and, and Rocket Kids had a good longstanding relationship with LSU and doing it there. For logistical reasons, it's not possible anymore, um, but we are so excited to have found a new home at Point Marie. And um, it's a perfect venue for this. It is, um, you know, on the weekends, a lot of times people most often ride their bikes on River Road in the levee. So the bike course is on River Road in a spot where a lot of people are familiar with the roads already. It's a pool swim, which the ladies are very excited to have a pool swim back. We've, we had open water swim for a couple of years. And then the run is in their beautiful neighborhood. So um, they're located right across from LaBerge Casino. And it's perfect. I'm so excited. Their grounds are gorgeous and it really sets us up for a nice finish festival and a great post race atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're really excited about.
0: Yeah, they've got amazing grounds, amazing neighborhood over at Pointe We've done several events there, several activities on the grounds, mm-hmm. and just seeing what they've done in that community is really incredible. And knowing that it's, it, it's a different feel altogether when you get onto that cobblestone mm-hmm. entranceway that you'd kind of lose yourself outside. That's your, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes from bad, from LSU's campus. Yeah. You know, it feels like a whole dim- different atmosphere. And when I heard that it was going to be a point where I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it makes so much sense that it's there.
1: And they're happy to have us. I mean, I think they love to ha- to host events, and it's a way for them to showcase their neighborhood to people who may not otherwise have even known that it was out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited. I hope this is just the beginning of a... A long-term relationship with them.
0: Absolutely. And so I was looking on the, the logo and it had TRI and D something.
1: Do, uh, do. Okay. So, um, in addition to it being a triathlon, it's also a duathlon. Okay. And so for people who don't want to, um, undertake the swim at all, you can do it as a run bike run. And that's pretty common for, um, races to offer that, uh, and Rocket Chicks in particular started offering that a couple of years ago, especially when we were doing an open water swim, knowing that beginners may not be comfortable with that. And so it's a good way to um, invite others who have no interest in the swim portion to still do the race and be with us on race day. So they're, they will do about a 1.5-mile run, then the same 12-mile bike, and then a 2-mile run to finish.
0: Okay. Oh, so it's different distances from the first and second run.
1: Yes, the way I have the race course set up, it's going to be a little bit different.
0: Okay, so I've done, I've only done, I think, one duathlon. and It was on like Charles. Mm -hmm. And it was a 2.14.2.
1: And you were running the same two. Yeah, you are running the same two. So
0: I I didn't, I guess, I mean, a race can be whatever distance you want it it to be. And And in my head, it was like, oh, it's got to be the same before or after the bike. No,
1: and sometimes you can even do just bike run. I mean, depending on the logistics of your race. So for Louisiana for Louisiana try we we offered a duathlon option and it was just bike run
0: okay so what's what's a what's a bike run is it still a duathlon yeah, it's you called still called bike call run it duathlon. okay so i mean and that all together is a different event and atmosphere when you're participating in the race cuz like when you get so when you go from that transition for T2 and you get off the bike and you mm-hmm. go to the run your legs are used to moving so quickly yes. And then you get in that run and you just start like a dead sprint almost. Then your legs realize we're not on a bike anymore.
1: Going out too hot is uh, (laughs) always something that happens to most people. Uh, Yeah, it really requires a little bit of practice. So a lot of times after we do long bike rides, we'll do 15-minute runs. um, And that helps you simulate that feeling of going straight from the bike to the run. uh, Because it is a very strange sensation that you kind of have to get used to. A A brick, brick, right? Yeah. A brick workout basically <laughs> meaning that you're just doing two things at a time. So you don't want to break it up with, you don't want to do the run portion later in the day. You're really mm. trying to do a bike ride, immediately get off and go do your little run. And it just helps you get used to that feeling.
0: And then that for a triathlon specifically, and I do athlon as well. That type of training is so important than just doing all the events individually time and time again. It's like at some point you either got to do them all together or you got to group them together. Cause if not, you're going to come race day when you're used to biking for two hours and getting off the bike and then being done, that run's going to hit you a whole different way.
1: And there's a lot of people who are way smarter than me in, in the coaching realm, but just from my personal experience, yes. And having a good training program that you follow that really takes all those things into account is, is pretty crucial, especially when you're getting into the, the longer distance races because you're really trying to prepare yourself for the physical aspect of it on race day when you're going to be out there for you know five six seven hours if it's a half iron man and 10 up to 17 hours long if it's time a, uh, yeah it's very, very long, long time. time if it's a full iron man so yeah
0: so and within that there's kind of almost a sense of community around the training aspect of it so in baton rouge you'll have or Baton Rouge and surrounding areas, because I know you said Maha's in it. So yeah. she said St. Francisville. <laughs> yeah. So Baton Rouge and surrounding areas, what a group do y'all have here locally?
1: So it's called Group Three and it started a little bit as kind of a silly joke. And um, the the origin of it is that um, someone another one of our friends had made a a post on Facebook about, oh, I saw two groups of athletes out there training for races this weekend. One of them was, you know, crushing it in the Hills and the other one's like going fast on river road. And Maha was like, what about the third group? the slow, but fashionable triathletes. And that's where third group, group three came from. (laughs) So we do not take ourselves too seriously. We um, love to have fun together. We started Maha was one of the founding members of it. And it started kind of as a Facebook group that was just meant to inform a couple of, people of where people are going to meet up for rides or runs and it started with i think five and i i didn't look before today but i there's probably 110 there's over 100 for sure
0: that's incredible
1: females in our facebook group that's you know hey someone told me to find y'all i just moved here need i need people to train with would love to make new friends like come on we'll we'll get you. we'll We'll show you where we run often, where we bike often. You can train with us. We have a Christmas party every year. We have we have a Christmas party. Yes, we have so much fun.
0: That y'all are beyond just a group of of women wanting to train. Like you're a, almost a legitimate organization at this point. Yeah, we,
1: we we almost are. We also have people have told us that we have the best cheer section on the Louisiana marathon uh, marathon course. There's um, a specific corner where we always set up, and we have a group three. We call it the twerk zone, a big, we play loud music and we, if we're not racing, then we're there. And so usually there's always a pretty good group of us that are just spectating, not racing. And we love to look for our people at that corner. We know who's coming, when they're coming, we're cheering them on and, you know, watching them do great things. So. Yeah.
0: So and if, we Ma- have fun. if if Maha and Nelly are involved, I'm sure there's got to be like some T-shirts or something. Oh that says yes. Group three.
1: Yes, there was Group three try kits. There's Group there three There was shirts. try kits. Yes, they they made try kits for us. Yeah, absolutely. I hope
0: they have like the their, fashionable their, part. Have, absolutely. I know she always so she always races with her her big bug eye glasses uh-huh. with polka dots yep. on them. Absolutely. So did she at least put like basic fitness or something down the side of the suits? We or? have
1: basic kits too. We okay. have basic kits too that are adorable. Yeah. So, like I said, we don't take ourselves too seriously on that front. You know, we want to – everybody can go out there, train hard, we race hard, but the fun parts of it we make really fun.
0: That's, And I think that within this section of sports – so when we had Jenny Peters on of varsity sports, she was talking about their running groups, right? Mm-hmm. And hearing, like, from what you're saying with Group 3 about all these these runners and these athletes within this triathlon, duathlon, running space – it's such a welcoming environment and a welcoming community of it's literally, yeah, you just moved here from California. Absolutely. Come on board and come and join the fashionable group. Like that's, yes, it's this sense of unity and this sense of connectivity for everyone trying to achieve a similar goal.
1: And I think it, it absolutely does that. And I hope it continues to do that. And I think that it kind of, um, It's also why I do what I do for the foundation, I think, because we're trying to have a sense of community. Baton Rouge is not known for being number one on health and wellness and outdoor activities. I mean, we know that, right? We have a big battle to fight in that space, but doing what we do and being able to have events that expose families to um, an atmosphere they wouldn't otherwise have known about and maybe their child races and, and the aunt comes and she's never seen a race and now she's interested in racing or just doing something for their family that that makes them healthier um, because it's, that's what it's really all about and the flip side of it is our grant money so the proceeds from our races and our sponsorships that we get we turn around and put that money back into the community so we um, accept our grant applications are open right now you can find it on our website and we support all sorts of different programs we support things like girls on the run that already have an established program for young females um where they have kind of an after-school program and they end it with a 5k run every season so that's a an established program but we help support someone who may not have been able to participate otherwise Um, there's swim programs that we support for One's called Inner City Swim that we've supported for a lot of years in the past where kids who wouldn't have access to swim lessons otherwise are provided the opportunity to have swim lessons. We provide playground equipment for schools that cater to um, children that have learning disabilities or communication um, disabilities. And so we try to get our hands in all different parts of the community. And really, that's the, that's the way we give back you know, even more than the races, sometimes it can be how we impact those lives outside of just a race environment.
0: Yeah, like the race environment is just one element. Absolutely. Of what the foundation stands for.
1: Yeah, and it allows you know longtime racers to continue to race with us while we continue to serve our mission on the side, right? It's new people and people who have been doing it a long time. Plus, in the background, we we want to take that those funds and put them right back here in our community to. To do better things and, and make this place better. You know, I've lived here my whole life. Um, I grew up in Baton Rouge, went to high school here, went to LSU. And if you look hard enough, there's lots of people working in the background to make us better.
0: Yeah, they are doing what they can each and every day, even if in a small part, mm-hmm. to try and make one thing better.
1: Absolutely. About
0: Baton Rouge. And I think that's what the foundation's got going on within all of their stuff. Yep. So what do y'all have like any upcoming events, any upcoming?
1: So the next actual event that we have, the next race is the rocket kids rookies race. So that's on June 26th. It's at the Manship YMCA. Um, that's near Perkins and Segan. So the whole event takes place on the grounds of the Y. And, um, after that is my rocket chicks race. That's going to be at the end of July, um, July 23rd. That's at point Marie. Um, Going back to the Rocket Chicks and, and kind of pulling in beginners, I also have a swim clinic on June 11th that's um, being hosted and put on by Tiger Aquatics for us. And so that's a great way for maybe um, someone who doesn't have access to a pool regularly or wants to get some additional like swim pointers. I'm going to be there to talk about the race and answer any questions um, to to the Rocket Chicks that are there, you know, that want to come. Even maybe they they haven't even signed up yet. They can still come to the swim clinic, ask some questions, get comfortable, and hopefully come race with us. Um, And then we have the regular Rocket Kids race that's at the end of the summer on July 31st. And then our final event of the season is River Roo, which is the Olympic distance race, open water swim in False River, that's held in New Roads. And that's on October 29th.
0: October 29th. Okay. Excellent. So for those that may be interested in browsing and possibly entertaining the idea of getting back into the triathlon (laughs) space or into it for the very first time, whoever (laughs) you may be, um, where can they go to find out more information? So
1: rocketkids.com is our website. There's links to all the signups. There's additional information about each of the different races. Um, You can find the old athlete guides for the previous year's races. If you kind of want to look at what the course might look like, we update those as races get closer, but All of our information is on the website and also on social media. We've got Facebook pages for all of the races. Um, We have Facebook pages for Rocket Chicks, Facebook page for Rocket Kids Foundation, and then also on Instagram at Rocket Chicks.
0: Excellent. So we're getting towards the end of the show, and we have a set list of questions we like to ask everybody. Um, And so the first one is, what are three lessons that you've gathered with your involvement with rocket kids foundation and with I mean, it could be even engineers training in general, you know, three lessons you've learned in your life along the way.
1: So the first is definitely that the giving back is so rewarding. So, you know, I've, I've made my move to be on the board and to, to do this. And I foresee doing this for a while. And, and I think I get so much satisfaction out of coming back to the exact race that I started with. It's the same name. It's the same feel. It's the same organization might not be the same people on the board, but we are still living out that same mission and really trying to do the same thing for the women. Now that was done for me and most of my training partners all started with rocket chicks as well. So it's, it's a lot of, it's ingrained in a lot of people's stories. So that giving back is, is just so important to me. And i it's really what makes me go and what makes me do all this. Um,
0: so, and not to cut you off right there, but you should ask Maha about how she got involved with triathlons.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I know that story. <laughs> ask, I'll have to ask her, <laughs> ask,
0: ask her how she got involved with triathlons. But anyways, on to the second.
1: Uh, okay. So the second, I would say anyone can do this. So, um, being someone that did not come from that endurance background, I wasn't a summer league swimmer. I wasn't a cross country kid. I wasn't a track kid. Um, I did gymnastics in middle school and high school, and anyone can do it. You can line yourself up, you follow a plan, you make the time commitment to yourself, and anyone can do it. And I think when you get out there t- at these races, you really start to see that because it's all ages, it's all types, it's all body shapes, body types, people that have been doing this forever, people that just came to the sport. And so that's what I like about it is that anyone can do it. And it becomes very much about your personal journey. Like the race is kind of the icing on the cake, but you deciding to do something for yourself, having this very big, scary goal in front of you, this, you know, even if it's your your goal could be just doing the race then your next goal can be i want to do an open water swim that's terrifying but that's my goal the next time maybe you want to win you you can change your goals right so just I, i love that aspect of it because it doesn't ever change and really i guess the last one would be the adventure of it so even racing for 12 years, I find the adventure in it by picking new places to race. So like I mentioned, we sit down as a group of friends and say, Hey, where do we want to race? What kind of fits everybody's life and schedule? And Oh, you won't ever swim in the ocean. Okay. I guess we're not doing that race. (laughs) So we, um, we kind of want it to be a goal and a place where everybody wants to go. And that's so fun. So even if you continue to race the same distance, you have a different place, a different goal. We didn't know that it was going to be 112 degrees in Idaho. You know, that becomes part of the challenge and and kind of the fun of that story and of that specific race day for that moment in time. Um, and and then traveling, you get to see all kinds of places. And we've raced in Canada and um, Texas. And, you know, you can go all over. Tennessee, I love racing in Tennessee. Chattanooga is a beautiful place. So picking places where you can kind of Continue to find that sense of adventure. Um, it's endless.
0: Yeah, and it's there's so many races. If you do them all, you're you're racing a lot. And there's
1: different kinds. So my wife is actually racing Escape from Alcatraz mm-hmm. in so in less than two weeks, we're going to California, and she's racing. And this particular time, she's the only one in our group racing because she got in the lottery um, to to be able to to do the race because you can't it's not just general entry they have so many people that want to do it they do it by lottery system so talk about a scary goal right that's swimming in that bay it's cold it's um you know a totally different type of race environment than anything we've ever done before but that's what makes it so much fun so it's going to be a great trip
0: that i've heard about that race It's (laughs) it's daunting. you jump off the the back of a boat to start the swim yeah
1: it's daunting to say the least
0: So okay, what is something you did as a kid you wished you could still do today?
1: Oh, I'd probably say uh, gymnastics. I guess like tumbling. <laughs> you know, it's when you, as you get older, it's much harder to keep these bodies going. Um, in and with the abuse that we put them under, for sure. But um, yeah, I loved gymnastics as a kid. It was fun.
0: Yeah. And fle- flexibility's first thing to go.
1: Oh, absolutely. I wasn't <laughs> even that good at it then, but it's really gone now.
0: <laughs> so what is? Growing up here, living here, working here, being a part of an organization that gives back, what is something you love about Baton Rouge?
1: I think it's the people. It's our culture. It's our um, way of life. And I love that this is a college town. Um, I love that part of it. You know, Um, I live near campus and certainly take full advantage of the lakes. And hopefully they'll be getting a much needed facelift soon, right, with that big lake uh, project. Um, Let's hope. I love the food and just the the atmosphere and the vibe of all of it. And I know that there's people working behind the scenes to make us better. And I'm I want to be part of that. And you know I do it through this one particular way of triathlons and this organization. But everyone's out there trying to do the same. I think so.
0: Hundred percent. That's the the people make our place great. They do for sure. The so what is something I can do to help you?
1: Um, just let people know about our organization. And, um, the easiest way is on our website at rocketkids.com and, um, they can learn about us. They can, I would love for additional grant applications to come in, um, because that means that people are, know about us and that they have a need that we can help fill that maybe that wouldn't have been fulfilled otherwise. So I'd love to have a big stack of grant applications to go through this year and be able to, to find new partners in our community to work with to give back,
0: absolutely. And we're gonna we're gonna link your the website, the social media pages, all that stuff will be linked in the show Great. notes um, within this show and making sure that it gets out there to everybody to find out more information about y'all. So thank you so very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, this was a blast. It's nice to go through and relive some, <laughs> some glory days. You maybe, can get back maybe get back into it. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Thank you so very much for your time and your stories about Rocket Kids Foundation, everything y'all are doing. I love it and am here for it. So thank you so very much. And thank you, everybody else, for listening or watching whatever platform or method you're consuming this show. I really appreciate it, and I know the guests do as well. If you're interested or maybe you've been intrigued by what in the world of triathlon is from this show, make sure you go check them out at rocketkids.com and check out their social media pages And maybe you've been on the fence about doing a triathlon and you don't know where to start. Their website would definitely be a good place to get some more information and kind of figure out if it's something you want to do and get involved within the community. So thank you all so very much. This is the latest episode of the Patty G Show coming to you. And a big thanks to our wonderful sponsors that you're going to hear about right now. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month, so if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible.
1: Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate reimagined.
0: So. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They were a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country for your next hunting or fishing experience, or maybe your corporate retreat. You're looking for something to do for your employees? Book a hunt or a fishing trip with Mallard Bay Outdoors, and they will take care of you every step of the way, from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip. Mallard Bay Outdoors, a proud sponsor of the Patty G
1: Show. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper, For those counting on you, visit us at horizonfg.com. Cetera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Cetera is a separate entity.
0: Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove, concierge service, every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible.
1: Uh-huh. I'm Complicated- <laughs>